It's Two Jerks, One Vote, the Jerkatorium Review Podcast, and we're reviewing the Hope Against Hope song fight with our special guest, Lycanthrope. Hi, I'm Chumpy, and this is the Jerk. Hi. Now here's how this thing works. One song fight's enough that we think we know our stuff. We'll listen to your submission, subject you to our praise and our derision. I know that sounds unfair, but you're not obliged to care. Yeah, you're gonna lose this song fight. And yes, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you're gonna lose this song fight. Deep down inside, you know that it's true. It seems like bend the knee was forever ago. Yeah, I don't think anyone was really surprised at Gert's very decisive victory, though. No. Yeah, it was a very, very good song. There were other good songs in that fight, too, but they really, really pulled it out for that one. And uh, they kind of left all of the other competitors in the dust. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It did like Owl's song quite a bit. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was very, very good. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised that Micah didn't talk about the uh, Duolingo controversy. <laughs> like, he didn't just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, well, maybe it was beneath him. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he might be doing what we're doing, where we tend to not go on to the boards and respond to anything that anybody says about anything we say. Which is maybe healthy, I think, in the bigger picture. Because, you know, we don't want to get into... You know, this isn't a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We don't want to get into he said, she said, Duolingo, Owl said. This is our pronouncements, our final (laughs) judgment upon all. Not open to discussion. Exactly. Exactly. And it's all ephemera anyway. This is going to be gone, you know, half a week from now. So anyway. All right. Well, this week, though, we've uh, we're doing hope against hope which is a pretty good title, I thought, when it came right down to it. Yeah. And we have a very special guest joining us during this podcast. It is Lycanthrote, also known as Mark. Woo! Uh, he is the very prolific and much talked about, much debated, maybe even polarizing song fight musician. Uh, 37 song fight entries as Lycanthrote. Wow. Uh, two songs with the band Spare Tooth. And he won the Pray for Texas song fight with a collaboration with a friend of his under the name Demetrodon. He also competed in Neurine 12, Neurine 13, and Neurine 14, and also competed in Spin Tunes number 15. You can find his music in the Song Fight Archive, in the Neurine Archive, the Spin Tunes Bandcamp page, and also at soundcloud.com slash lichen-throat, meaning L-I-C-H-E-N hyphen T-H-R-O-A-T. So welcome, Lichen-throat. Thank you. All right. Well, it's a, a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, we've been listening to your music for a while now. And um, how did you find out about Songfight? To the best of my recollection, I was listening to... A song by Mike Doty called The Champion, on which 
MC Frontalot is featured. And I looked him up and found something about song fight and then that's what brought me to the site originally wow yeah frontal lot is kind of the patron saint of song fight so many people come to song fight by way of frontal lot that's how rain watt found us i'm sure a lot of other people too to some extent micah mentioned that that was part of what pulled him in i think in addition to josh woodward yeah i guess Another question that I think a lot of us have is, you know, we're hoping that you can tell us a bit about your process for compositions. Like, how do you go about it? And, you know, what do you do to generate the songs? Like, for example, a song title comes up and you decide you want to generate a song for that. What steps do you take? More from a technical perspective or a philosophical and creative perspective? Maybe a little bit of both. Like, do you do the lyrics first and then write music to the lyrics? Or where do you start in terms of inspiration and then uh, the technical aspects? I usually do the music first. I'll come up with an idea of what I want the lyrics to be about and then work on the music. And then either after I'm done with that or as I'm approaching being done, I'll start working on the lyrics. All right. And then when you come up with the lyrics, do you have a melody in your mind too for that? Or do they come up more or less independently? Sometimes I do have a melody in mind, but often, and I'm sure this will be no surprise to many people, it doesn't match the music very well. So it gets altered a lot during the recording process. Okay. All right. And, you know, Chumpy might need to, <laughs> need to help me with this. But so... In your profile, you mentioned some programs that you use to uh, actually generate the music, and I don't know anything about any of that stuff. How does that work with the, the actual generation of the sound? I begin by using a program called MuseScore. That is a songwriting notation program. It comes up as blank sheet music, and then I use the mouse to just place notes on it. Um, it also assigns different instruments. And then once I'm done with the song, it can export each instrument track independently. And then I mix those in a program called Ardor, which is just a digital audio workstation, and record the vocal in there. And lately, when I've been having some actual played guitar, I record that there as well. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to kind of go back and mention that I did look into your original sort of introduction post on the song fight bulletin board. And you mentioned that you didn't have any musical training, but so you go from pretty much no musical training straight to writing sheet music. Yeah. About a year and a half before I started entering song fight, I was, was talking to a couple of friends, one of whom is the guy who's my collaborator in Dimetrodon. Both of them have a musical background and are musicians themselves. And I'd always had a lot of things that I liked about music and that I had thought about, but I felt like I didn't have vocabulary to talk about. And so I just started asking them more about terminology and they explained how the musical scales work. And I mean, basically just like day one of what you'd probably get in a music theory class. And I thought maybe... I had enough information to begin trying to do something, and I just looked for songwriting programs, and MuseScore is the one I found, and I learned to use it and made lots and lots of bad songs. I made instrumentals for about a year and a half, and then once I found Songfight, it appeared that I really had to include a vocal if anybody was going to pay much attention there. So 
I included a vocal. Obviously, I had never really sung very much before, and it's a long process of getting better since then. Okay. Wow. Well, I don't know. I'm fascinated. There are some other programs out there. Notably, we use Logic Pro, and uh, before that, we used GarageBand. And I ostensibly sort of know sheet music, but even with those, I tend to use what they call the piano roll, which is a sort of a more graphic kind of a portrayal of notes and their lengths and stuff like that. And it's a little bit easier for me to look at. But yeah, so I'm terribly impressed that you went straight to the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like I can read the grand staff. I taught myself to be able to identify notes on the grand staff, but I still struggle with being able to read the timing and being able to just read the rhythms. Very hard for me. I'm not very good at that either, actually. Like I tend to just put the notes on there and then it sounds wrong and then I'll move them up or down in the scale or make them longer or shorter until it matches what I have in my head or often I can never really have it match what I have in my head and I just work with it until I get something I like. I think that's a big part of music composition and music generation for a lot of people. You know, I kind of liken it to trying to draw a perfect circle freehand. You know, you you take your pencil and you draw something and it ends up being a little elliptical or a little bent. And so you erase the part that's bent and you keep on trying to get it closer and closer to what it's supposed to be. And I think, I don't know, I, I always kind of take that approach, just trying to make gradual little changes and corrections until it's, uh, you know, matches what you need in your head. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The mind often ends up not matching what I have in my head very much at all. In fact, one of my compositional processes is I'll take a song I like and I'll try to copy it and just not really be very careful about it. And it ends up sounding nothing like what I used as a model just because I don't have the sense in my head of how to take what I hear and then transpose it into music notation. Do you mean like cover songs? Yeah, I'll try to duplicate what I hear, but it just immediately gets so far off. It's not even recognizable in most cases as being based on the original song. Uh, I should have done a little bit more research. Do you post any of that stuff on SoundCloud or is that just for you? Well, no, those are mostly songs that end up in Songfight. They're not. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> so, covers, but they're so messed up that they don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, That's really cool. Actually, I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. When I was trying to figure out how to write a song, I thought, okay, I can't write a song on my own. I don't feel like I know enough to do that. What I'm going to try to do is just cover a song and then change it subtly and make it my own. And that's what I did a lot in the beginning. Our song, Deep Subreddit, which is the first one that Chumpy was featured in, in terms of the competing songs in Song Fight, he told me that he'd stolen it from uh, Elvis Costello song. And then I listened to them back to back and it sounds nothing like <laughs> the Elvis Costello song, but, uh, but yeah, no, that wor that works out great. And that's totally fair and it's totally cool. So yeah, I like that a lot. All right. Very cool. You guys almost ready to launch into the songs? I guess yes. so. Did, did we grill like and throat enough? I think so. Let me think if I had any other questions. Oh yeah. I wanted to ask you if you were like a lifelong Linux user. Not quite lifelong. Since 2005, I think. I've used it on and off since then. Interesting. Like, I don't know anyone who uses Linux for their DAW, so I, I think that's cool. I certainly use Linux a lot at work, and I've been into it since the 90s or so. But 
I, I wouldn't have thought that it would make a good platform for audio, but I guess it works. It might not be that good. It's entirely possible that other platforms are much better, but I've never really tried anything else. I've got another question then. You are widely, I believe, considered one of the best lyricists active in song fight now. Uh, did you do poetry before music or did it come together? A little bit. Like I wrote a little bit in high school and in this high school journal, like every other bad poet. And then I didn't really write a lot of poetry between then and when I started participating in song fight. And that was a difference of decades. Uh, like Chumpy and I, yeah. Chumpy and I, in high school, I think Taft was president. Um, <laughs> it was it was about seventy or eighty years ago now. So okay, so that's a huge gap in between. Were you doing other creative things, or was it mostly career between then and now? Mostly career. I did paint a little bit. I also wrote short stories. In college, I took quite a few English classes in college, even though I ended up with an engineering degree. So that probably helps. But I just, I've always really liked English and like poetry and like writing. And, and I feel like writing the lyrics is the only thing I'm maybe kind of good at with music. So you don't have to play to my strengths there. <laughs> well, your, your lyrics are freakishly literate. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. <laughs> Not just Bleak House, but throughout. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. What do you have against the snare drum? <laughs> Nothing, really. My lack of use of it is probably a byproduct of the programs I use. Some of the the sampled snare drums on MuseScore don't really sound that good. And they seem too prominent in the mix. And that has motivated me to not use them sometimes when I think a lot of other people would. I have been using them lately more, but there was definitely a period where I, I did not use them very much. You certainly have a signature and distinctive sound, so that worked out. Yeah, that's entirely unintentional. <laughs> Every time I'm just trying to write a conventional rock song, but it never works out that way. You're reaching for Aerosmith, and, <laughs> and you don't quite don't quite don't get say there. Aerosmith. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe uh, a conventional indie rock song. But. Gotcha, gotcha. You're uh, reaching for Panic at the Disco, and you get no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. One last question. I keep on saying this and it's always never the last question, but your user avatar, I think Owl kind of made some reference to it, but I, I, I don't get it. What is that from? That is from a board game called Divine Right that came out in the early 80s. It's one of the pieces of the game. I had scanned it for some other purpose and I just had the file around when I joined Songfight and I needed an avatar real quick and i grabbed that one and it's been there ever since oh cool it is neat <laughs> i don't know what, what to say it's, <laughs> it's it's very interesting and uh it looks a little you know oblique and a little you know what the hell's that so it, it does seem like some illuminati masonry shit so i always think part <laughs> of it looks like a roller coaster a roller co oh the oh, that... thing i think that's a mountain okay yeah there's a mountain the little thing that's an arrow is a forest, and the thing that looks like an asterisk is, in fact, an asterisk. 
<laughs> Are we set? Do we want to launch into it? Let's launch. Okay. Okay. All right. The first song is by Cybronica. The world these days has got me feeling down. Priorities have got all turned around. I'm feeling blue, don't know what to do. I'm talking to you, but you're not hearing my words. The radio's talking, the news is squawking more. I don't know what I should do. Walking in at over six minutes. Yeah, I, I think that's fine, though. You know, I, I know that it's a hard sell for the song fight crowd, but I'm good with it. Well, when you sing as well as Cybronica, I think that helps. Yeah, her vocal was very good. I did think it was maybe a little too long, but it wasn't that bad, and it didn't really feel like it dragged at any point. Yeah, I thought it's sweet, and, and it's lovely, and, you know, I think... In order to make it any shorter, they would have had to chop a full verse. And I think it's fine the length it is when it comes right down to it. You know, I, I really like that very, very understated guitar work behind the piano and the bass line. And it all works together so well. And that build is so gradual and mild that when most of it drops out for that final chorus, it's really, really effective. This was by far my favorite song of this fight, and so much so that I sort of resent having to vote for any other band. <laughs> you know, wow. there, there are other good songs in this fight, don't get me wrong, but Cybronica made the only excellent song in this fight. So I thought this was head and shoulders above the rest, even though it's pretty sparse. But it just, I don't know, that, that kind of vocal talent, the writing is great, the whole production. I, I just love this song. I thought it was beautiful. I think we both agree that the part where the harmonies and doubles all drop out and it's just Cybronica singing by herself is very effective. Yeah. At that, that's at the end. I just wish it would have happened before the five-minute mark. So I think it would have been <laughs> slightly better if it happened sooner to have that sort of change-up. Also, there's an acoustic guitar, I think, in the mix, but it's, it's pretty yeah. low in there. And I thought at first it was a harpsichord, 
but I think it's just a synth acoustic guitar. So it sounds a, a little bit strange to me. But yes, her singing is definitely the highlight of this song. Just great singing. Unfortunately, at times I feel like it's a little bit close mic. Like there might be some extra mouth sounds you hear and some sibilance in places, but it's hardly anything to write home about. I mean, it's just, if I had to be picky, that's what I'd be picky about. And uh, I thought the arrangement had some nice subtle touches to it. I liked it. I just think it could have been done in three minutes rather than six minutes. Like you, I thought the vocal performance is great. I did think it was a little too long, and I probably would have liked a little more internal variation. I did like the lyrics quite a bit, too. They seem very heartfelt, and it, it's hard to pull off lyrics like that that are more abstract and didactic, but I, I, I think she did a pretty good job with it. In particular, where she says, they'll kill so many people with their pins. I like that line. In a way, they're kind of simple, but... I felt like they genuinely provoked some thought, at least on my part as a listener, which is always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Evil Grin. I look around me and what do I see? Worlds of horror, death and monstrosity. So this is another collaboration between Pig Farmer and Amanda, the, the female vocalist. I have to say right off the top that I love duets. I love hearing male and female voices working together or just two distinctive voices that sound different that come together and then sing apart. I really like the interplay between their two voices. Unfortunately, I think when Amanda comes in, her vocals are a little bit quiet and a little bit tentative right at the start. She seems like she gets more comfortable as the song goes, though. I notice less of that as the song goes on. And I really love it when the two of them are singing at the same time. Like, right before the chorus, there's this line, it's love spreading love, helping love, serving love, and that's probably my favorite part of the song. It's probably the most hooky, and I just really like it when they sing together. And I also really like it when they trade off, where pig farmer singing amen and she's singing hallelujah definitely a really great part of the song i love it when they trade off i love when they come together in terms of things i complained about you know i've got to talk about phrasing there's some awkward lines in here like there's some lines like this line petty act of anger looks of jealousy and some lines are elongated and, and jealousy for example is all three syllables squished in a little tiny space i feel like there could have been some work there and 
Another thing I particularly like is Pig Farmer's use of dirty electric guitars and clean acoustic guitars together, which I always sort of appreciate. Okay, yeah, I think he's good at that too. He always has a good American roots rock sound in his yeah. instrumentation, and this is no exception here. Yeah. I was usually pretty happy when this came up in the rotation as I was listening to the songs. Like you, I also liked the call and response vocal. The overall sound I thought was good. We should probably talk about the lyrics a little bit. Yeah. Uh, this is more overtly positive than Pig Farmer's usual fare, so much so that I can see it being polarizing and a lot of people not liking it. But I have to say it takes some confidence to submit a song like this without being too self-conscious about it, which I don't think I would do. And they had to know they'd be in for some criticism. So in a way, I almost have to kind of respect that. And, and I actually think this is a pretty good song overall. Yeah, I, I thought it was really well produced. And for the most part, the vocal performances are strong. The lyrics are homey, but they hop between cliches and that kind of hyper-religious hallelujah, amen stuff. And I had this whole long screed, which I'm just going to skip. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. You know, uh, Mark mentioned the, the lyrics being very, very positive, which is maybe not exactly what we're accustomed to from Pig Farmer. But I'll mention that you know the lyrics do kind of point out anger and jealousy in others which has kind of this tacit implication that the narrator is above such kind of weaknesses but that's probably an unfair kind of a comparison so i'll i'll drop it i um, think i know what you mean with that because some of his other songs i've gotten a little bit of the same sense but this one not all that much i think i probably really only noticed it in the context of his other work yeah and so my kind of Reaction to it is probably unfair that way. But yeah, other than that, uh, again, very strong, very good performances, very well produced. But that very, very, very last amen trails off kind of weakly, and it sounds unconfident. And it's kind of like if you're going to feature a vocal solo, no matter how briefly, it really has to shine and ring. And I feel like she brings it out throughout the rest of the song, but not when all ears were on her uh, on that very last one word at the very, very end. And that was a bit of a shame. Yeah, that's um, what you get left with in the end. Yeah. And it's it kind of trails off a little weakly. And that, that's a shame. You got to just, you know, if you're going to do something like that, just nail it, you know, and she doesn't quite do that, which is a shame. Is there any chance that that's a deliberate choice and it's, intending to show maybe a lack of confidence in the overall message of the song at the end it, that she trails off because maybe she herself isn't really feeling it or am I reading too much into it? I think then you have a choice between either a not as good performance as you'd like or a terrible choice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Maybe she's thinking, know. oh my God, I just, I'm so tired of this kumbaya message at the end. I'm just <laughs> going to trail off and have a drink yeah. at the end. Yeah. And one last note, you know, was it just my headphones or was the chorus a little clicky? I didn't I observe that. I fear it might just be my headphones because I, some of the other songs seemed a little clicky to me too. So I'm not sure. So I'm going to blame your headphones. Should probably get new headphones. All right. All right. Next up, we've got Geech Sorensen.
it's garage rock from the 70s or 80s. It's Good garage simple. rock. Good garage rock. Yeah, yeah. It's got a great, great vocal performance as usual for Geech Sorensen. But it's kind of simple and it's kind of repetitive. And so it's a great vocal performance of a pretty uninteresting composition to my ears. This one also seemed to be a little clicky in a couple of spots, but again, I'm wondering if that's just my headphones. Did anybody else get that? No clicky notes. Yeah, not for me either. I, 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 it's got to be my headphones. So all of my reviews this time around are invalid. <laughs> Don't pay any attention. I'm sure you I'm heard a, something good. Did you have I'm that a, comment on everyone? I do. <laughs> yeah. So much it's clicking just, this this round. What's yeah. wrong with you people? <laughs> it's it's clicking. There's all these beeps. I get my phone ringing. <laughs> no, it's it's actually just just a couple. I think it's just those two, and it seems like it's clicking a bit. So yeah, uh, it's probably my headphones though. So never mind. Uh, somebody else go. I think I like the composition a little more than you. I was immediately engaged by the intro, and I didn't really identify the song as being too simple at all i i thought you know, it was a good song each turns out a solid entry every time and i think this is no exception i also thought the lyrics were pretty good they're kind of straightforwardly honest and universal not too complicated but not too simple either which i think is echoing micah's exact comment on the boards but i think he's right I understand where you're coming from with the vocal melody. I also thought it was a little bit boring. There's not a lot of vocal leaps in it. Like, the the melody just kind of cruises up and down a little bit. It doesn't move a lot. It doesn't change a lot. And I think it's steady throughout the entire verse. I don't think it, like, changes, like, halfway through subtly or anything like that. It's just steady and kind of boring the whole way through. I like the little guitar riffs that he uses to punctuate the verses. And I thought the the phrasing, against all hope I hope, is a good way of expressing the title without coming out and saying hope against hope. One comment I did have is that around the 1 minute 40 second mark, there is a breakdown section. And it's almost like there is a sign in that section that says, this space for rent. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there needs to be a solo or something else in there because it's just eight bars of the verse melody. It's just crying out for something to fill that space. And I'm not sure if he ran out of time or what the idea with that was. And in the chorus, there are backing vocals, and I think they're singing hope against hope. I'm not exactly sure, but they could be a little bit louder so I could hear them. Like, I really struggled to hear if there were even backing vocals. And I go, yeah, there they are. And you can kind of hear them, but they need to be louder to have more impact. I don't think I noticed that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I usually kind of make notes if they're backing vocals, and I I didn't, because I love backing vocals. Yep, need to be louder. All right, next up, we have Lepacron. You just wanted to say Lepacron. I did. We were hoping for a world without exclusion, where we could embrace our differences. Hoping it would happen soon. 
those noodly phaser guitars ruin this otherwise lovely song. All right, the lyrics are great, the melody is great, but it's hard to focus on the good stuff with all of that garbage predominating in both ears through the entire length of the song. Listen, a good song is good enough. A good song is always worthwhile. You don't need to take something solid and then muddy it up for art's sake. The lyrics are great. I like this whole thing. The melody is great. If you've got a great melody and great lyrics and, you know, just everything is wonderful, then you don't need to layer this art on top of it. (laughs) Here I'm bitching about art. Why are you making this a song fight song? Make it a good song instead. Do you think it would have sounded a little plain if the guitars were just entirely taken away, though? Yeah, absolutely. But it would have been, I I don't know what to say. It's like, it would not have been ruined by those phaser guitars. Those phaser guitars are just extra. They are pasted on the top of this track. And, you know, maybe it would have been better if they were underneath, but instead they predominate. That's what you hear first before the lyrics. And uh, I like the lyrics a lot and I want to hear them. So I thought it was a great, great song that was ruined by overt, blatant attempt to make this arty. I think the guitars occupy a certain space in the audio spectrum where nothing else is. I think they own the high end. And so, and they're also panned right and left to extremes. So yeah. they really come through. Yeah, I probably would have turned it down a little bit at least. Yeah, I would have put on a clav, maybe a <laughs> arpeggiator. Lots of backing vocals. I might... I might cover this song. Because <laughs> it's a great version. song. It's a great song. It's I, just, just messed yeah. up with all this other crap. I love James's vocal melodies. He really has a knack for them. Is this band associated at all with either Dark Side of the Sun or Squirrels in the Attic? Yes. Yes, I'm sure they are. Yeah. Okay. That's James Owens on vocals. Sound. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I'm not always 100% in on... James's melodies, but this time around it's just great. And the lyrics are fantastic, I thought. So yeah, I mean, a wonderful song ruined by others. I've said this already. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> I thought the lyrics were good. Like when he says, have our cake and eat it too, I'll give some to you. And the whole thing in the vocal, it conveys this sense of resignation that follows what the lyrics are about. And I, that was one thing I really liked about it. What do they do that makes their music always sound so relaxed and loose? You know, maybe it's a little bit too much some of the time, but I'm not sure what characteristics the music has that gives that impression. I think they're all in a room together. So they're all playing at, I think, roughly the same time. And I think they're all Canadian, right? And I think (laughs) they all have that Canadian legal weed. So I feel like they're all pretty (laughs) blazed up by the time they get to recording. So and I think that adds specific explanation. I think that adds to some of the looseness. <laughs> it might just be me. They seem to have a very typical reverb setting and they seem to not be eating the mic like the rest of us do. And you know, it, sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't, I think. Yeah. At the end there's some banter and I think they ask, "Is this okay? This is okay." And I just wanted to say, "No, this is not okay." those guitars need work. I had the exact same comment as you did. Like the guitar players, they aren't listening to what else is happening in the song. They're just in their own world. And I feel like if it was less noodly and more focused and a little quieter, it would have helped a lot. Like they're not serving the song. They're just kind of doing their own thing. 
Okay, what do you say we move on to the lowest bidder? song is based on One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, which is a great, great, great book. Uh, and I think with the lyrics, he captured this sense of the story with like, all the lines about keeping warm and knowing exactly how many ounces of bread he has left. I'd like the chorus less than the verse. I'd like more verse and less chorus. I also found the song kind of hard to evaluate. It, it kind of Gives an impression of being weird, but I can't really point to anything that seems particularly weird about it. Did you guys have that sense at all? There's the pickaxe percussion sound that you hear pretty predominantly in the beginning and end that I'm not sure is super musical, and it it sounds a little bit weird to me. Yeah, I'm not sure whether that's what I've been picking up on or not. I thought the mix was on the loud side, which I'm sure a lot of other people noted as well. Uh, It's hella loud, yeah. Yeah. But I always like it when people base a song on a good book, so I have to give them thumbs up for that, for sure. The chorus effect and the vocal effect, they sound a little bit weird, too. They're a little bit, like, I don't know if you've listened to a lot of Ween, but I keep coming back to this, that the vocal effects and the chorus effects he uses sound sort of Ween-esque to me. And I have a lot of feelings about Ween music, because it's often just weird for the sake of being weird. So I don't know if you got that or not. I despise Ween, so I, I would not paint him with that brush, definitely. Okay, this podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What do you got, Ryan? Ween fan? <laughs> uh, well, one of us is. I haven't actually heard enough to be a, a Ween fan. While everybody else was listening to Ween, I was, I was mistakenly listening to King Missile or whatever. Oh, and uh, Dead Milkman, of course. So I don't, I don't regret the Dead Milkman, but King Missile was a, a one-hit wonder mistake. Uh, all right. Anyhow, this song, I like it a lot, but I think it there's just so many mixing mastering problems. I mean, like it's distorting and everything is clipping in the chorus, right? That's not just me. Yeah. No, I hear that is, too. Is clipping the right word for that? It is an unpleasant distortion and I it could very well be by clipping. Yeah. I think he turned everything up and doesn't quite know how to do what I also don't know how to do, but you do absolutely know how to do chumpy. Limiting. So. Okay, there you go. Yeah. The instrumentation is good. The melody is good. The lyrics are fine, but the production issues just ruin this song. You know, I want to hear more from the lowest bidder, but I want them to figure out what's going wrong with the production stuff first. 
I think there's a lot of stuff already there. I think there's even more potential, but he needs to take care of this superficial stuff that's getting in the way of the sound quality. Yeah. You guys covered most of the things that were in my notes. I just have a couple points. Like Lycanthrope, I really like some of the oddly specific lyrics about, you know, exactly how many grams of bread he's issued. But I also thought the line, the cigarette's warmth fills my chest, was a very good line and kind of a, a good way of saying that. Kind of an interesting turn of phrase. Yeah, I thought that was very evocative of the book. Have either of you read the book? No. It's very good. It's short, so it's no bleak house. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it's about? Yeah. Part of it is about his life in the Soviet labor camp in the 50s. But isn't yeah. it also about like his last day of life or? No. Uh, no. Okay. I'm sorry then. Yeah. I, I I read Cancer Ward. Is that by the same author? I believe so. Okay. All right. But I didn't read this one. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just one day in his life in the gulag and it's a fairly typical day that starts out maybe a little worse than average and ends up slightly better but it's both bleak and hopeful at the same time and i think that in the lyrics the sense of that has been captured very well in the song which i find impressive cool all right let's talk about not blue dolphins So Micah is joined by a couple pals who I guess were, I think, vacationing together. So we have Basil on the verses singing, and then Micah and Meg combined together on the choruses. And I thought it was just Micah and Basil, but I didn't realize that Meg was a different person than Basil on the choruses. Not sure that's important. Basil well, That's has what a... I thought, too. Oh, you got that? I wasn't going to say that because I thought you guys might make fun of me for having a bad ear for vocals, which I do. I mean, in fact, my wife always makes fun of me because I can't really tell the two singers apart and they might be giants, <laughs> yeah. which apparently everyone else can. Um, Again, this I, podcast is over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that they might be giants. I just can't really tell the singers apart. Yeah. But I didn't realize it was two different female vocalists until I read that in Micah's notes. Yeah, I didn't either. So, And I think they, their voices are pretty similar. Basil, I guess, writes the lyrics, and she's pretty poetic. It's interesting, like, I thought how the lyrics didn't rhyme, and you don't really notice because I think the way that she accents certain words and how she sings them, and there's a kind of a good melody here that makes it work. I didn't even realize that there were no rhymes until after I read them, which I thought was interesting. The verse lyrics have a certain poetry to them, but some of the timing and some of the phrasing just seems a little bit weird. Oh, yeah. Did you? What did you think of that? That's what I picked up on first. You know, the verses are weird. The phrasing and cadence seem forced and awkward. And it doesn't sound natural at all. You know, there's no flow. And that's the only thing that really bugged me about this song is that it seemed like, I don't know, it, it kind of seems like they, they told her, okay, we decided to remove a random selection of 30% of the words from the verses. Just wing it. I'm sure you'll do fine. And she 
<laughs> and she did as best as she could. And it's it, it just it does doesn't flow. It doesn't seem natural. Yeah, like brush your fingertip along everything you've been told. Kind of a strange line. And I think along is elongated. And yeah, which is a, a very weird place to put the emphasis there. It certainly caught my ears and it made me go back and try to figure it out. I have to disagree with you guys about the phrasing. I did think it was weird, but I liked it. Like, I thought that was one of the best parts of the song. This is one I liked more and more as I listened to it multiple times, and that might be why. But I thought the unusual phrasing was good, and I thought it added interest. And it kind of reminded me of Lucinda Williams a little bit. I did think it was hard to understand the lyrics in the verses, which could maybe be a place for improvement. But I thought the phrasing was good despite its weirdness. Yeah, put more of an emphasis on the lyrics themselves. Like, I might have just glossed over them if they hadn't been phrased so strangely. Maybe it helped make them sound or feel a little bit more poetic. I don't know. When I think about Lucinda Williams, I think of very sort of conversational lyrics and very, you know stuff that flows. And uh, for me, this didn't have it. Maybe I just didn't listen to it enough times. But it put me off of this song. You know, it's a great production and the choruses are good, but the verses just really threw me. You know, I thought it wasn't tight. It wasn't natural sounding and it just sort of wasn't for me, which, you know, I I never say that about any Micah Summersmith songs. So uh, it pains me to say that. But yeah. yeah. I thought Micah's guitar sounded good. Yeah. Yeah. There's some nice lead guitar melody. Like, I think all played on one string, as Micah pointed out. You guys ready to move on to Paco Del Stinko? I liked the lively bass in the intro. I heard that right away. Yeah, I thought this song is really cool and charmingly violent and kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that some song fighters only really like the ABAB or the ABCB verses or maybe even the AABB. But I've always really loved the more kind of surprising ABCCs because you're expecting an ABCB especially if the first verse is like an ABCB or like in this song, it's more of an AABCB for the first verse uh, and then an AABCC for the second verse because they, he doubles up uh, a rhyme in the very first line, which is always great and always really effective. But then, of course, when you throw away all of that and go for the CC ending instead of a CB, then it, it's always kind of like, you know, we, we've done that a couple of times too. Yeah. Where we're like, you know, people are expecting, and people complain about it. I think even Micah complained about it. He's <laughs> like, I wanted an ABCB, and it's like, and I got an ABCC, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, well, that's why we did it. Yeah, so, Micah can't complain about that. Yeah, yeah, shut up, Micah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I think everything fits. Uh, I just think it's a little more delightful when it's kind of harder to anticipate exactly how it's going to fit yeah. together like that. Subverting expectations is tight. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you still get something out of it. It's just not what you expected. So it's a great production, great performances, great vocal work, and great backing vocals. So I like this one a lot. I thought this was a good song, too. I liked how he had a lot of variations in the vocal melody throughout the verse, but not in a way that really detracted from the musicality. Paco, of course, is immensely skilled. Sometimes I kind of get the impression that he's using his skill more to amuse himself than to produce a great song, but not here. I think this one is really good. I think this is one of my favorites of his, and I, I liked it. It was a nice break from a lot of the more hippy-dippy songs. It's nice to hear some you know, densely layered instrumentation, like there's piano, there's bass, there's drums, there's lead guitar, there's rhythm guitar, there's harmony vocals. I like how he uses the title at the start of each verse. You know, you don't always have to have the title be part of a chorus hook, so it's nice when people mix it up a little bit. The chorus, I thought, was not really distinct from the verse melody. I mean, you can tell that you're in the chorus because that's when the harmony vocals come in, like on how much is enough. And there's just not a clear chorus hook here. As a matter of fact, there's not a clear hook, I think, anywhere in the song. So you're just kind of along for the ride. There's not a lot that's catchy or sticks in your head. This is probably not a song I'll be humming and singing down the road. And I guess I had a minor criticism that the song seems almost like it's a platform for Paco's lead guitar playing. Like, there's great lead guitar performances in the instrumental break and in the solo and in the ending... And that's maybe not a criticism, but sometimes I wish he'd focus more on some of the more nuts and bolts aspects of the songwriting than necessarily all of the effort I'm sure he puts into his lead playing. Yes. Punish him for his talent. Yes. <laughs> Screw that guy. Because I cannot play all those instruments as as well as he does. Damn. I can't believe how good he is at playing all those and getting it all done every time. And he submits all the time. It's, it's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to Possum Sauce. World's on fire, we all die, and I broke my pencil. Love will win, pigs will fly, let it go, let it go, let it go. I've still got hope, it's withering away. If you've got hope, then what do you say? Let's put hope against hope. We'll make it to another day. So the world's fucked over. The world's fucked over. Here's the deal. The world's fucked over. Come and lend your shoulder. The world's fucked over. To the wheel, to the wheel. I liked the kind of English folk rock sound here. This was probably my favorite song of the fight, especially at the beginning. I was always happy when this came up. You know, it was one I tended to uh, turn up a little bit as I listened to it. I like his vocal tone. I like the harmonies. The one thing I would maybe criticize or at least question is I didn't really like the use of the profanity in this case. I don't object to it in general in songs, but here it kind of 
added a sense of irony to the song and I couldn't really tell is this a serious song or not or is he making fun of songs like this and I think it would have been better if it was just a straight up earnest song but I still liked it very much yeah it's weird you don't normally hear the the f word sung so prettily Um, unless it's Elliot Smith oh yeah in which case you do yeah do you remember these guys from 2015 Ryan I do not, no. They were in the Day of the Dead fight. Serious? Serious. And I, oh, man, I love their entry from Day of the Dead. And I went back, and they were also in the bully fight. I think this is their third song. I think Day of the Dead was a three-way tie. Were they one of the ones who won? No, sadly. Uh, I uh, thought their entry was great, though. It was, it was pretty high up there, but it wasn't one of the tying entries. Oh, yeah, that's right. I hear only assholes won that fight. Yeah, true. Yeah. But it- did you guys win or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I figured. Assholes. Yeah. I thought that one of the instruments in here may have been a recorder, but yes. maybe, is it a recorder? It may have been a panpipe or something. It could have been a panpipe. I assumed it was a recorder. Okay. Really subtle use of the instrumentation there. The guitars and the piano and the layered vocals and the recorder slash panpipe all sounded really nice. The whole sound was just sort of delicate and just very well crafted. Yeah, there was no bombast here. It was all just very carefully done. Yeah. Yeah. So the world's fucked over. The world's on fire. We all die. I broke my pencil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like this a lot. Like Mark said, I think that it was quirky on purpose that way. You know, he's kind of making fun of absolutely everything. And it's a good melody, quirky, messed up lyrics. Good guitar, piano, recorder, voice, and the backing vocals are really artfully done. Everything was done and put together very, very well. I like this song a whole lot. Yeah, this may be my favorite of the fight as well. Yeah, me too. Next up, we've got Third Cat. I'm stuck in a hole. You don't hear a fade in very often. Like fading out is, I guess, considered not cool these days. But like you don't hear fade ins very often. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, we've been criticized for fade out, so we we stopped using them. Yeah, even though I'm fade not entirely are... sure why. Yeah. Yeah. Why are There's they out of style? I don't know. I think they were overused at some point. Like in the seventies, I seem to remember the fade out was the most popular way of ending a song. I don't know. I always have this kind of feeling about how there is this assumed sort of superiority for songs that you can play front to back live and you can't do uh, an effective fade out live so the the, the thought of foreshadowing the fade out <laughs> the thought of the fade out i think is that it just sort of goes on indefinitely I, I don't quite know whenever we've done it in the past i think we've been dinged for it i have noticed in listening to songs now that when there is a fade out it kind of draws my attention to it in a way that probably isn't what the artist had in mind so 
if that's true for others as well, I can see why it may be on the decline. I think that occasionally they're sort of mixing problems with the fade out, like unintentionally, even though the whole thing is fading out at the same rate, I think sometimes, you know, something will predominate later in the fade out. Like if you have everything mixed really well at the beginning of the fade out, then as you go out sort of midway through the fade out, something that you didn't intend will just pop out of the mix and that might be it. I'm not entirely sure, but at least that might be part of it. But I think it's more kind of a stylistic thing that people are complaining about. Yeah. I mean, when it really works, it's this feeling that you get that this chorus that you love, love, love is just going on forever and ever just out of your hearing. And I think it leaves you with a warm, fuzzy feeling. That's how I felt about it when I heard it as a kid. I was like, oh, that's great. That song is just playing forever. I just can't hear it right now. And it made you feel good. Who knows? Maybe it's just so that the the DJs can start talking over it. (laughs) (laughs) I... Yeah, there's this fade down during this podcast. We fade in and we fade out <laughs> for every song. And so maybe there is this practical aspect to it. Who knows? Yeah, true. So getting back to Third Cat, this is another song with a tiny, tiny word count. Second verse, same as the first. And I think that's only hel- eight lines. Yeah, it's only eight lines. And I think that helps make this song feel a little bit fragmenty and less than a complete song. I mean, to compare it with the Possum Sauce song, I think the Possum Sauce song is even shorter, but it feels complete just because all of the elements of the arrangement are there. And when you get to the end, you're not like, huh, I'm at the end. Did did it feel like a journey? With this song, I feel like it's not quite a journey. Like it just kind of starts, things happen, and it ends. It's not very satisfying. I thought uh, the exact opposite. Really? Actually, I thought... In my notes, it's. I was surprised after listening to it that there were only eight lines of lyrics because I thought it did feel like a fully realized song, and that was one thing I found impressive about it. Yeah, it's interesting how we have different takeaways from the same input data. Oh, yeah. Did you like the warbly affected guitar at the end? I don't know that I really paid a lot of attention to that. Like, I didn't really take note of that. That's kind of the only part of the song that I found really interesting. I liked it the outro, but I thought the lyrics and melody themselves seemed a little throwaway and not particularly interesting, but the ending part I thought was very interesting, but I don't think it quite made up for an otherwise humdrum song. I thought the chorus had potential. It sounded like it was almost imported from a different song, like maybe even something in the Americana slash folk slash country tradition. I thought the very beginning of the song, like the intro of the song, had a lot of potential that way. And then it just sort of didn't gel. But like the, the, you know, the kind of the guitar sound that he uses in the beginning, I thought, okay, this is going to be something intriguing and something that will draw me in. And it sort of didn't didn't accomplish that for me. I think I liked it more than you. At first, I think I didn't like it all that much. It seemed kind of boring the first few times through. But then as I listened to it more... Eventually, I thought it seemed both simple and sophisticated at the same time. I liked how he had this Teddy vocal with the bouncy guitar underneath, and I felt like there was kind of a lot more to it than meets the eye somehow. That is not unusual for Third Cat. They do tend to have a lot more than meets the eye in a lot of their songs. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I remember yeah. how we raved about some of his panning moves. Like we were just blown away that he panned some guitar out of the way to make room for something else. So yeah, and there's not, a lot of subtle little things in his songs. Not just that. He just he some of his choices were so uh, yeah, just blew me away throughout, you know, a lot of his entries. And this one again, that bit with the outro is very very interesting, but I don't think it quite made up for the rest of the problems that I had with the song. But I, you know, I respect that uh, that Mark felt differently. Yeah. Yeah. I often feel like he's doing something that I don't quite understand, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. But I thought this was pretty good. Let's move on to Tom Skillman. I didn't realize this at first, but I went and when I looked at the lyrics on the boards, I'm like, oh, Tom Skillman is Leaf. Leaf is the drummer from Gert. This all makes sense now. And it makes sense why I thought the drums were so good. Like, there's great beat change-ups in different parts of the arrangement. And there are these all these really cool little snare rolls that happen in parts of the rhythm that just add a lot of interest. Did you guys catch any of that? I'll admit it. I thought that... <laughs> I thought that the drums were Kyle. Uh, <laughs> I thought the drums were Kyle until this one other part came in and it's like, oh no, Kyle isn't that interesting. So, uh, but yeah, for, for part of it, the, he's got that ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. And I'm like, oh, that is so Kyle. And then, but then it goes into this other section. And I'm like, no, Kyle doesn't have that much variation in him. So no, I was pretty impressed. Kyle, for those of you who don't know, is the name of the default drummer in Logic. That we use constantly. <laughs> so how does that work, by the way? Because I heard you talking about that a few podcasts ago, and I was just amazed. Like, you can just upload a song, and it will decide how the drumming should go? Yeah. More or less, yeah. Back in our GarageBand days, we'd use loops. But uh, then we, when we switched to Logic Pro X, this is going to be a commercial for Logic Pro S. God damn it. Okay, freaking screw Apple, but Logic Pro X does this wonderful stuff, and I don't really hate Apple, but um, Logic Pro X has this thing where you can just load a drummer track, and it will make some terrible assumptions about what kind of a beat you want. And typically, maybe always, it assumes that you want Kyle. And He's the it, default. Yeah, okay. he's the default, and so it, it, it will set. It will like break it up and sort of change up the drum track based on where it thinks that you want these change ups, and it bases that on how you put in things. And it's usually very, very wrong. But on the other hand, Kyle tends to really meld with what we want in terms of a drum sound for a lot of our tracks, so we end up using him quite a bit. Yeah, that would save me so much time. 
Go Apple, man. The thing about Kyle, though, is he is completely clueless unless you put in arrangement markers. So every song we have has arrangement markers. It's like intro, verse, chorus, you know, bridge, outro. And he has different patterns for all of the sections. So if you sort of clue him in on where the different sections are, he does a lot better job. Yeah. And then if you change drummers, if you change these uh, virtual drummers, then they each have sort of different feels and different kind of ways that they're doing things. And then, you know, if you add these different ones or change it from Kyle to a different one, it will also change the entire style of the song. And then you can tweak exactly what they're doing if you want to. It's pretty brilliant. Yeah, that kind of blows my mind that that's even possible. I don't know what to say. They spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, it's pretty tweakable too. Like you, uh, yeah. there's this four way axis between louder, quieter, complex, or simple that you can move these sliders around, and it also does a change up on the beats they do. If you have it really set to quiet, for example, on the snare, you'll just have a cross snare hit, which is like a clicking sound where the stick is on the rim. They call that a cross stick. You know, it's not even a full snare hit. Right, right. So it's yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. But you don't need any of this stuff if you're Leaf, because Leaf is an excellent drummer. And, uh, yeah, I definitely noticed all of his little drum tricks that he didn't hear that just sort of sounded really great. I also like the tremolo effect on his guitar a lot. Like, the first amp I ever had as a kid was some hand-me-down amp from my brother. And I remember it, it had a tremolo knob on it, and I used it all the time. Just like... Tremolo is awesome. You know, you could set the speed and it would make everything that you played sound like that song Crimson and Clover. Yeah. 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 But the tremolo in the song is good. It's just, I think, on the lead guitar. And there's also some subtle delay that he does on some of his vocal lines, which sound really good. Like, it's just the last word, I think, is fed through the delay and it echoes at the end, which is a really kind of a pro-sounding effect, the way he uses it. And... You know, there's some really pretty oob vocals that are backing vocals that you hear, and they're just really nicely done, and they're just mixed, I think, perfectly. And on the chorus, you know, he's got some octave doubles on his voice on the chorus. And this is just really a pro-style song. It's really well done. Nothing is blown out, or there's no real flaws that you can hear. I would not be surprised if this is just the winner on technical merit alone. Even though it's not the song necessarily that I felt moved me the most or that, you know, made me feel things, this was definitely very, very well done. I like the tremolo as well. That was probably what I was most struck by in listening to it. The whole thing had kind of a hint of uh, garage thrash sound to it, but not overdone at all. Did either of you find this to be kind of reminiscent of Paco del Stinko at all? Yeah, I think so. Maybe in some of the attitude of the vocals. Yeah. A little bit sneery, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's it. But definitely layered. You know, there's a lot of sound. They both have some pretty dense layering. I like some of his lyrics as well. In particular, where he says, there's two kinds of hope. One is truth. One a disguise. I think that's very well put. And it lets you know what he means without taking a lot of words up to explain it. I had a bit of a problem with the melody of this song, though. I thought the melody was not interesting throughout the verses, and it doesn't improve much in the chorus. It does really kind of stay on one note, you know, the guitar bass note throughout. 
you know, still the song's attitude has a bit of drive and the uninteresting melody is performed very, very well by the lead vocalist. So like all of the performances are good in this song, really. Uh, I just think that the lead vocal melody is a little dull. Let's move on to Travels with Brindle. His name's on the back of all your favorite records. Out of the library, giant orange passports, old weird America, big dreams and promises, hot off the turntable, payload in So would you call this G and U? I mean, you'd have to, right? <laughs> I think you'd have to. G U. It's a uh, medically. It's a. I'm not going to go into it. Um, does she forget the lyrics at one point in the song, like at the 59 second mark? Does she, she like actually forget what she's supposed to sing and mumble it? I don't know. I maybe. Notice that, but. That's actually kind of cool if that happens. It is not cool. It is <laughs> well, not I mean, cool by any means. How can you submit a take where you fumble the words? Well, you know. I, I know there are zero stakes, but how can you care so little? It's a you know, one take song. I mean, if you got 98% of it right, like you might just want to call it a day. I mean, oh, she hit come on. play and record on a tape recorder and then did the whole thing from start to finish. Literally every other competitor put some serious care and effort into this. And I'm a little insulted, (laughs) you know, do another take for Christ's sake. So serious. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought of nothing else but that in this whole song. Yeah. Well, I have to listen to that again. I give her some credit just because it's hard to record a single take and to get it all done. I mean, we're all pretty used to. Sorry. You've never done a single take song. You don't need to. Yeah, never. Yeah, not even once. Why bother? I've done it once, but yeah, it's hard. It's really hard to get it all right and to get it all on tape or whatever. My first note is this song would really benefit from multi-track recording techniques. Like she could record the uke on one track and then record some vocals on another, cut it up piecemeal. Like she's a pretty good singer. I like the tone of her voice. She has a pretty clear voice. And there's the occasional flat note, which she could probably just do another take and do it again. But if the whole song is cut in one take, it's just not practical. Another note I have is that she also did a song for Bend the Knee. Like, I saw it on her YouTube channel, but it didn't make it into Song Fight for some reason. I don't know if her song, like, the email was not dug up by the Fight Master or if she didn't get it in on time or what, but... Yeah, she she records a lot of music, so this is not her first rodeo. So she has, I think, hundreds of songs. And she busks in the subway, and she has a pretty extensive YouTube channel. But I think her recording techniques are just pretty primitive. And I think that's something she could definitely improve on. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with everything you said, but I do think this certainly has an element of charm to it that I like. And I like her voice. I'd like a little more variation between the verse and the chorus and i thought the bridge was maybe a little too long and then i have a very specific comment about the lyrics about one line in the lyrics where she says hope you find your people every time she said that it 
took me out of the song a little bit. I think because it's a very contemporary phrase that is something people say a lot of the moment, but that I haven't heard much in the past. And I, I was struck by that every time, just by the phrasing of it. I think the idea of it is fine. But that was one thing that kind of drew me out of the song a little bit. But I think there's a lot to like here, and I, I would definitely like to hear more from her in the future. I like the bridge, too. I think she goes into halftime on the ukulele, which is a good change-up. And when it's just you and a ukulele, you need some change-ups to keep things from sounding too samey-samey. So I think that was a, a good idea. Uh, do you have anything else, Ryan? No, just... Do more takes. Damn it. Just rage, rage. I mean, she spent all the time making the song. She spent all the time preparing the song and practicing it and writing it out and all of that stuff. So wh why not... <laughs> Why not? Why not get a one hundred percent take? I, now you're I'm making just... me want to intentionally write that into a song. <laughs> Knock yourself <laughs> out, man! <laughs> just actually, you can make that the whole song where you forget, uh, and you're and so that we can hear the the pages flipping. Where what what was I supposed to sing in this part? Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be awesome, but uh, but but here it just I, I'm I'm insulted. <laughs> But I mean, why, why wouldn't you, I mean, if you put that much effort into the song, why wouldn't you want to make the official kind of recording of it just really good? And it's not like she didn't have time, right? This was a two week long submission period. So I'm just annoyed at that. Otherwise it doesn't sound all that different from her other song that we reviewed at one of the other podcasts, which I'm blanking on exactly which title that was. Was that Spin Tunes or was that... No, that was Song Fight. Let's okay. see. Is that the one that had kind of like an announcement for her YouTube channel at the end? Yes. 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 And I did a cover of it. <laughs> <laughs> this song is four minutes long. <laughs> you remember that. It was the Thin uh, Air fight. Okay, yeah. I feel bad harshing it so badly, but I, you know, just that aspect of it where everybody else puts a lot more effort into their song and trying to perfect it and trying to get a good take. And, you know, if you're going to immortalize it, so to speak, by putting it into song fight, then why not get your best foot forward on it? All right. That brings us to the end. So Mark, traditionally we give the guests the first opportunity to promote a product notion or thing. I have no agenda and no products, so I'll take a pass on that one. No, no, no bands you like. No. Oh, bands I like. I can yeah, about bands I like. Yeah, you can tell <laughs> us. I'd prepared what we better to. if I knew about that. <laughs> or do you have anything you want to plug? Any websites that I didn't uh, introduce, or you want me to shout out your SoundCloud website again? No, I think we're good. You know, I'm 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 obviously not in this for really anything other than improving my own skill. So I don't have anything to sell or perform or anything like that okay do we want to talk about who we're voting for or yeah okay All right possum sauce awesome yeah. sauce yeah definitely yeah possum sauce i'm also going to be voting for paco del stinko and of course of course of course cybronica and oh wait i already voted so i also voted for the lowest bidder so i mean i, I know i had problems with their production but i like the song enough so I voted, yeah, I voted Cybronica, Lois Bitter, Possum Sauce, and Paco. And that's it. I'm definitely going to vote for Geech, Not Blue Dolphins, 
Paco and Possum Sauce. And then I'm not sure how inclusive I want to be in the voting because usually I look for where there's a clear break in quality, but there was more of a continuum in this case. And I guess I'm undecided on Hybronica, Evil Grin, Third Cat, and Travels with Brindle. For me, I really want my votes to count this round, so I'm only voting for two. I'm just taking the two best songs, and that's going to be Possum Sauce and I think Tom Skillman. So, like and throw, do you have a song in Freak Flag? There is a Dimetrodon song. I finally got David and I to show up at the same time, although not where we were supposed to meet, but was able to go over to his house and we recorded a song. That'll be the second one ever, right? Yes. Cool, cool. I think this is going to be an interesting fight. There are a lot of folks in, I believe, including JB. Oh, yeah. John Benjamin Band is a ringer. Yeah, one of your favorites, I know. Will it be Electronica or a protest song? We might find out as early as tonight. Oh, wow. Uh, Well, actually, that's probably not true because this song was due, what, yesterday morning? Yes. Technically. Yeah. Yeah. So there's usually a pretty comfortable three-day window for that. So we'll see. Fluffy is also in this round. So I haven't heard anything from her in a long time. So that's going to be very exciting. It's been a long time. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap. Should we do shout outs? Sure. I would like to shout out to my wife, Sarah, who is so patient when I'm recording here in my closet and she has to be quiet. And I will shout out to my husband, Andre. Thank you for all your love and support and your patience and understanding doing a couple of podcasts per week or maybe more like one and a half podcasts per week these days is pretty annoying to him, especially when I spend a lot of time editing afterwards or at least a little bit of time editing afterwards. So uh, I appreciate all that. And I will shout out to my wife, Molly, for her continual support and indulgence for basically the same reasons as you're talking about, that this takes a lot of my time, uh, but she is always very supportive, which I appreciate. I'd also like to shout out to my song fight occasional collaborators, David Daniel from Dimetrodon and Jim Johnson from Sparetooth. We should also shout out to our five regular listeners. Uh <laughs> Four of them are Russian bots, uh, so thank you, Russia. And what else? Uh, How shout many out. listeners are there? <laughs> well, we're well into the mid single digits, man. We got it going on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I think not counting bots, it's usually less than fifty unique visitors. It's a pretty specialized podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But it's enough to fill a cafe. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally I have friends who want to check it out and I say, no, you don't. (laughs) You're not going to get it. And and then they're like, no, no, let me know. And it's like, okay, so here it is. And I, but I say, but you're not going to like it. It's not going to interest you at all. It's only very, it's very esoteric. And then they get back to me and say, yeah, I didn't get this at all. <laughs> this, this had nothing to do with anything. And I'm like, yeah, I told you. <laughs> Why are so, you wasting your time on this nonsense? Yeah, exactly. As we could say that to all of our listeners. And <laughs> since we're mentioning that, hi, Brian. Hi, hi Alice. Alice. Special shout out to you too. Thank you for all that you do and do more art. Happy triangle. Come on, get in there. She's going to make a splash screen for my Linux from scratch distribution that I'm working on. My gosh, that'll be really, really cool. That's very cool. So she's going to do art for that so that when it boots, it'll say like spud Linux or chumpy Linux or something like that. 
So it'll be very cool. cool. Yeah, I have two identities. I am also Spud, but I couldn't be Spud on Song Fight since we already have a Spud. A little Where there's two Spuds? Yeah. There's a, a guy who's been Spud since, I want to say like 2001 or something, since the uh, Song Fight started up. Uh, and he's been an administrator and he's part of Octothorpe. And yeah. uh, so, so I couldn't be Spud, uh, okay. so I had to be I had to be chumpy, which is fine. But it's a little bit weird when I hear Spud. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's a strange coincidence. I don't think I've ever heard anybody else with that nickname. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're out. All right. Yeah. I want to thank you for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate the opportunity. We're really glad we could get you, and I think this one's turning out really great. <laughs> We've talked a lot about you on the podcast, too. I mean, so much to the point where Ryan had to say, you are listening to the All Lycanthroat Show. (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) We do spend a lot of time talking, you know, especially with guests. Uh, Again, you're polarizing. There's a lot of debate. There's sort of a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of conjecture about exactly what your deal is. And I'm glad we got to the the bottom of some of that anyway. Yeah. I'm glad I can provoke some discussion at least. So, Mark. How should we refer to you during the podcast? Do you prefer Mark, or should we call you Lycanthroat, or what do you want? Either one is fine. Okay. You Mr. Throat. Mark. It's kind of weird to call me Lycanthroat. It's not really a given yeah. name. <laughs> yeah. I go Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> Taken. I never liked Mr. T. <laughs> okay. <laughs>